2: Jeremy White with Sal Capaccio today sells in for Joe a lot of Russ Bell football teams on the docket today and we've got breaking news by the way Bill Belichick and the Patriots are expected to part ways Adam Schefter has that that report from Mike Curran of NBC Sports Boston was a while back part ways and 14 seconds ago Adam Schefter says league sources tell me and Mike Mike Reese Mike Rice um, that after 24 seasons together Belichick and the Patriots will part ways. So there's the news. Wow. We wondered Huge when, news. yeah, when the Patriots news would happen. It has happened today. Ian Rappaport following up the Patriots are moving on, and so is the greatest coach of all time. Belichick won't be the coach in 2024, per me and Tom Pelissero. Uh, a new era awaits. Of course, the question is, what do the Patriots do? And then the question becomes, what does Bill Belichick do? Does he want to continue to coach, or what does he yeah. want? So we'll get to that. Well, well get-
3: and it also, by saying that, you're basically saying they're not trading him. Remember, there was a thought that they could try and trade him.
2: Yeah, right. Not happening. Well, I don't want to say totally rules. It It seems like he's gone today. Though. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise— no, That's they, right. They was... And then real
3: quickly—go the, the... ahead,
2: Jeremy. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, we, we we can get into this a little bit later. Um, But, I mean, it's huge news. We we, we thought we were going to get it, and today's the day.
3: The air is over. What did you, you have? You got it. Um, Real quick, and also other news from the NFL. They've announced the four— home games for international, home teams for international games next year. The Bills do not play an away game against any of these teams. Okay. So according to this list, unless there are more games added, the Bills would not go to Europe in 2024. Okay. Panthers, Bears, Jaguars, Vikings while host. The Bills do not travel to any of those teams. It'll be Munich
2: and three in London. Very good. Meanwhile, on the Western Hotline, we go to Corey Woods, uh, Pistons and Lions writer who... Corey, sorry to make you wait a few minutes, we got that big news on Bill Belichick, which is, of course, uh, you know, seismic news throughout the NFL.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think I can wait when, when some Bill Belichick news pops out.
2: <laughs> well, How about you react in real time here, Corey?
3: What do you think? What do you think about that? Your, your first chance. You hear it just as we're breaking the news here uh, that comes from the NFL. Go ahead, buddy.
4: I mean, like you guys just said, over there over a couple of decades, all the Super Bowls he's won, and then you see what happened when Tom Brady left and he hasn't been able to really get a command of that team since, I mean, I I think it's about time. Who knows? Maybe Robert Kraft may have felt the kind of way seeing Brady immediately leave new England and go and go have success. And he could have finished his career there and had that success. So, I mean, it's time. It's no other way around it.
2: And Sal, you and I talk about this, Corey, what are your thoughts on this? Because I don't think there's any doubt that the the views of his legacy have changed, but that would probably happen to a lot of coaches, no matter how good they are. You know, if you have a great quarterback, you're going to win, and if you can't find answers at, at the quarterback spot or on offense, you're not going to win. So, I don't think it totally undermines everything that he's done, but it does it maybe makes him look a little mortal here in in the, in the larger picture.
4: I mean, when you really look at his coaching career without Tom Brady, he's been a mediocre, below-average coach. There's really no way around it. Tom Brady was just that lightning-in-the-bottle moment for him, and, he, and and Belichick had the benefit of having a player like Brady who would follow that Patriot way and be able to get everybody else to fall, and fall in line. Because, And then when you're winning, winning masks everything, and they haven't been winning lately, and now you're starting to see the wheels fall off. So I, I get it about I mean, if I were in, in Robert Kraft's seat, which I'm not, <laughs> I would, I would, I would understand the sentiment. We're ready to move on.
2: Corey Woods covers the Lions for M Live. He's joining us to talk about a little bit about this uh, this Lions matchup and uh, Sal, and I'll get back to the Belichick stuff in a bit. All right, so Corey, the uh, the the Lions and the Rams, and I wonder if the feeling is that Matthew Stafford's return maybe overshadows is a bit much. But what a storyline that it's Stafford returning for this game.
4: There is, there is. I wrote this yesterday. There are so many storylines surrounding this game that you can just really just pick one. Obviously, the the, the the biggest elephant in the room is Matthew Stafford's return, played with the Lions for 12 years, left immediately when it had success with the Rams. And it's kind of like um I always say, like, everything is like a wrestling storyline. This is kind of like the Lions' first home playoff game at Ford Field, first playoff game in the actual city of Detroit since in over in almost seven decades and it's against Stafford in a different Jersey. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't paint a better picture than that. But the one thing that's also being overlooked is Jared Goff has a story in this as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, it, there's so much focus on the Stafford return that Jared Goff is almost becoming like an afterthought when this guy was part of that Stafford trade and this guy Took the Rams to a Super Bowl. Granted, they didn't score a touchdown in that game, but he took them to a Super Bowl. He took them. He gave them some playoff success, and he got pushed out the door. What's so I think that's one thing that he keeps getting forgetting.
2: Before we before we get to golf, what's the general vibe on Stafford? Do people do people wish him well? Understand that he gave a lot for the organization, tried, but things obviously I in mean the Lions. You know, they've they've been the Lions for a long time and I Bills yeah. Bills fans know what it's like to love a player and think the organization maybe doesn't have its head on right. So how is Stafford viewed post Lions
4: career? I believe everybody well, I'll say everybody. I believe for the most part, Stafford is very um loved still in the city of Detroit because you know, he is still to in my opinion, still probably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the franchise's history. And he, he did what he could here until it was time for him to go. So he's still well-received here. People appreciate his time here. I think they appreciate his time even more when he left and when they had success with with the Rams. But at the same time, I think heading into this game is they respect him. But at this point, with the Lions having a home playoff game, he's very much so the enemy.
3: Corey, I know that Dan Campbell's probably obviously well-liked and respected for what he's done for this organization not only the culture, but obviously the winning that's gone along with it. But with him also comes, there's a little bit of risk reward there, right? And I mean, he's been caught a few times, maybe shouldn't have done it this way, shouldn't have done it that way. He gets a lot of high marks for being on the cutting edge of a lot of the analytic stuff and going for it, being aggressive. Can that also go the other way? And have you seen that as well where, hey, you know what? Maybe enough's a little enough at times.
4: Yeah, I, and I think one of those instances. Yeah, we we've seen it a lot. And I think one of those you can point back is to the Dallas Cowboys game where, yep. okay, the first attempt didn't go your way with the two point conversion, and then okay, you're gonna try it again. Okay, the second attempt didn't work. Maybe at this point you should go ahead and just kick the extra point and try to win the game and, and try to win the game in overtime. But the thing about it is, when he gambles and it's good. He's the greatest guy in the world. When he gambles and it doesn't work, well, hey, you, you get criticized. And I think <laughs> of that you have to take the good and the bad with that because his gambles and the way that his piece, he's coached his team has turned them from a three 13 to one team to a nine and 18 to a 12 and five team. Yeah. So you got to say, you just got to just roll with the punches on this. And I still believe that he's still learning on the job and for, to to be in year three of still learning on the job and, you 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 have your, your the team's first home playoff game in years and a divisional title. Hey, I gotta say he's doing pretty good.
2: The question is, and we've kind of dealt with this here in Buffalo. You know, right or wrong, will he still have that same energy when it's survive in advance? When it's a playoff game, do, do you expect him to be just as aggressive in those departments?
4: You know, I I would say yes because. That is who he is been this entire time. That is who um, that, that is what has made this team what they are. And I think when you get to that point and you start to change who you are and what brought you here, and let's say he doesn't doesn't continue that same aggressive and the same aggressiveness and then backfires on him, he would be kicking himself as to stick it um, for not sticking to his gun. So I think Campbell's the kind of guy where if he feels strongly about something and he, he's going to stick to his gun and he's going to roll with it to the end, and then if it doesn't work out, he's going to stand in front of that microphone, in front of that podium, and take the blame. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to second-guess himself um, if, he, if he decides to gamble, even, even, if, even in this moment where it's comes time to advance.
3: Corey, ben Johnson getting a lot of love uh, for head coaching jobs, obviously. Just tell, what, tell us what he's like and what he's done there. Who would you say again? Ben Johnson.
4: Oh, Ben Johnson is, first off, he's a great guy to talk to. I mean, you know, he he asks everything thoroughly, but everybody in that that room loves him. Um, The one thing that is really apparent is the relationship between him and Jared Goff. I mean, you can just see the chemistry from there. When um, Jared first got here, Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator. And throughout the entire first year, you were wondering, what's going on with Goff? This is not the same quarterback that we've seen with the – with the um, with the with the Rams, and when they went ahead and made that switch, and you know started giving Ben Johnson more responsibilities, and then he went ahead and took over to being offensive coordinator that offseason fully, you started to see Jared Goff become the type of player that we everybody remembers. You start to see this Lions offense with all of the weapons they had get maximized to their full potential. So the vibe that I get from everybody that that um talks to Goff that not Goff that um around Ben Johnson is. They love him. They've um, Dan Campbell is and um, even Aaron Glenn. They're very high on him and believe that he's going to probably get one of these jobs. In and Dan Campbell's cool with it because everybody that he brings in, he wants them to go ahead and be successful, um, even if it is elsewhere.
2: Corey Woods joining us. He covers the Lions. So for the game itself, for the matchup, why does Detroit win and why does Detroit lose? What what does the game hinge on?
4: I'm going to start with the latter part. Why does Detroit lose? I think Detroit. If Detroit loses, it's going to be because of the secondary. There's no way around it. The the, the secondary has issues. I mean, you see Nick Mullins be on the on, on two of the past three weeks. Nick Mullins has put from, from the Vikings put 800 yards on that on that secondary. No disrespect to Mullins, but Stafford's a different breed. So you're worried about that secondary getting carved up. But I believe with on the, on the flip side, where they do win is that the Lions have, have shown a tendency to be able to generate pressure on quarterbacks that are not really that mobile. Now, Stafford can get out of the pocket a little bit if he needs to, but he's not somebody that's going to be a threat to, you know, scramble like that. So I believe if they – you know, you have a Lee McNeil back. Um, I don't know if James Treason is going to be back or not, but you got a Lee McNeil. You have um, Tyson. You have Aiden Hutchinson. I believe they're going to be able to generate some pressure. And then on the offensive side of the ball – I mean it's one of it's been one of the top offenses all year. I know they're going to be probably down LaPorta this week. We don't we, we may not know for sure up until I think uh, Dan Campbell said Friday afternoon when they'll have a better view of it. But even if LaPorta is not there, you still got amon Ross St. Brown, you still got the dynamic backfield of Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Josh Reynolds has been a steady hand throughout his entire time there. Um, I don't know. I know Kalief Raymond may not be there, but D- and even Down the People's Jones, he has not really had that many targets since being acquired there. But when they call his number, he's caught. Things, he's caught everything that's been thrown his way. So, and then again, you still got Jared Goff, and I believe that. I'll, I'll, of course, playing in the Super Bowl was the most important game of his career. But considering all of these storylines, I believe this may be one of the most focused games we've ever seen him play. So you factor all of that in, I believe that Detroit's offense and maybe a little bit more pressure on the defensive line will be able to go ahead and lift him to the victory.
2: Corey Woods on the West Tur Hotline. Corey, thanks for the time, and uh, I want to say best of luck to the Lions. You know, we, we, we've we've watched from afar. <laughs> I guess. We've been in the same boat missing the playoffs for lots and lots of years, so first home playoff game. Uh, best of luck to the Lions, and uh, thanks for the time. Thank you for having me. Corey Woods of uh, MLive.com to uh, talk to us about the Lions. All right, Sal. Belichick. It's over. It's finally wow. over. I'd say wow as a fact of not surprise. This
3: has been a long time coming. We've all kind of talked about it for a while. It's been you know reported it might happen. We've all even kind of speculated ourselves whether it should or shouldn't and it might so not a wow from a i'm surprised i'm stunned standpoint this is a wow of just the seismic shift it represents in football and what a 24 hours can we just think about just that you brought it up a little bit earlier without mentioning him necessarily you said it could be him but let's go back to what you said last hour in the last 24 hours bill belichick Pete Carroll and Nick Saban all leave their coaching positions. Now, two of those, i would going to say one of those, Saban, is retiring. I don't know. Did Pete Carroll say he's retiring? Did he say he wants to coach again? I'm not really sure. I don't think he's getting another head coaching job necessarily. I just wonder what his plans are. They said that he might even transition into the front office. Who knows? So it looks like he's not. I think Belichick wants to coach from what everything, yeah. uh, for, you know, apparently. So he might still be there. But the fact is... No more Belichick, no more Saban, no more Pete Carroll, and the seismic shift of football and in the NFL, what that looks like in that landscape is
2: really, really huge, and that's the wow factor. He does maybe change the coaching carousel stuff for a lot of teams. Guess guess which t- market I saw? Yes, a a, a you know a tweeted video of a radio host saying. The so and so fill in the blank team, they've got to do everything they can to get Belichick. Like there are, there's a coach out there right now that isn't fired that might be fired if that owner thinks I can get Bill Belichick. I mean, you and I might not agree with that idea of of doing that, but you want to guess which team it was? So this team does not have an opening currently. No, they're in. And the, is the they're, is not
3: expected to have an opening. No, necessarily.
2: not at all. They're in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Well. How about Philly? That's the one.
3: I saw. Yeah, because you know what? The only reason I guessed that is because I had seen rumblings last couple days that, like, well, could they move on from Sirianni? I'm like, dude, he just went to the Super Bowl last
2: they, year. They fired Doug Peterson. He won yeah. a Super Bowl, and they fired Doug Peterson. Yeah, but like two years after that, I know. right? I
3: mean, not the immediate year after I when know. they actually were still good and in the, you know, in the playoffs. But, but here's no, I, I understand.
2: It's, it is a, it is a bottom line business. And what have you done for me, right? Yep. So it's a Philly host came across my feed making the case the Eagles should do everything they can. Like, hey, sorry, Nick Sirianni, guys like this don't become available all that often that the Eagles should go after Belichick. Of course, the Cowboys, right? If they go out early, are the Cowboys going to be rumored to go for Belichick? Mm. I think the Chargers, I I don't know, he's different. He's he's a different candidate. Would the commanders decide the number one way to get credibility as a franchise is to immediately change everything, roll out the red carpet, and we're going to go for Bill Belichick? I mean, he wants to coach, he probably gets to coach somewhere. He probably gets his pick. But, man, what a what a change. Adam Schefter has more on this. And, again, like this, you could decide how much of this you want to believe or not. But he said that Kraft and Belichick had been talking over the last couple of days and that the two sides never had a disagreement, there was never conflict, that they agreed this was the right course of action that he would leave. So, to me, he had said two days before... He would be willing to stay on in a reduced role. Meanwhile, I guess Bell. I guess what Kraft says. I'm not going to give you that. Okay, then I do want to part ways. Right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a little bit strange to kind of have him seem to indicate he would be willing to come back, and then here we are. He's going to leave, and it's a mutual agreement.
3: He he always looks like he's miserable anyway, but it just felt like the last month he was not you know, that he was going to leave, right? Like he was miserable. He was not engaged. I don't know how to say it. It just, it felt like he was the one that maybe even would make the call. I don't want to be here. And this sounds like that might be the case. Like, hey, it's time for me to move on. And, you know, I know you guys got to do what you got to do. You also mentioned the coaching carousel. So after the next time out, I'll give you my... Now I can officially put the Patriots in this, right, Jeremy? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to include the Patriots. I have what I consider the top jobs down to the bottom in availability, and I think I might surprise you on where some of these teams rank. But considering that, this also changes where other people might go. Like, the Mike Vrabel situation now suddenly is, is he the guy instead of Gerard Mayo, who was considered this whole time... To be the heir apparent to Bill Belichick,
2: yeah. Other coaching news: Ian Rapoport says the Falcons have requested the Ravens' defensive line coach and associate head coach Anthony Weaver for their vacant coaching job. So the coaching carousel spins up, and of course, the big news on Belichick eight zero three zero five fifty. You want to talk to us on uh, the hoodie, Belichick? Would anyone dispute his that he is your your views of him have had had to have changed in the last couple of years? He leaves after finishing with the third overall pick. I mean... Well, my
3: view of him has never changed. You know I've been on this train for a while. Yeah. I've been on this train for a long time. But this has... I, I I I The man is the most accomplished coach ever. For my money, he's not the greatest. I've had this debate. It's a different terminology for me. I don't think he's done more with less. I think he had the greatest player ever to cover up all the warts he's ever had. That said, great football mind, great defensive mind. He's an excellent coach. He deserves all the credit in the world. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm not saying that at all. But... I, but it was apparent right after Tom Brady left, this was a guy who did not know how to adapt in this NFL today over the last five, six years of what it was when he was winning titles in the early 2000s and even going back to the 80s and 90s with the Giants and,
2: you know, success he had elsewhere. He's had a lot of criticism for how he runs an offense. I mean, he can't pick a receiver to save his life. I mean, his the, the Patriots and their history of drafting receivers has been absolutely terrible. And the, it's a common drumbeat up there that he can't pick a receiver. Then there's installing a defensive coordinator as his offensive coordinator, a pair of them and Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I mean, it's just it fell apart. It's not just that it it ran out of time, Sal. It's not just that, oh well, you know, this has run its course. It fell flatter than almost any coach falls. This is this is like if Brady went to Tampa and looked like Zach Wilson out there. On some level, it's kind of like that, is it not? His team was one of the worst in football this year. Mm-hmm. And they weren't trying to rebuild. And they didn't make moves looking like they were going to go to the bottom. And here they are drafting third overall. So, man, what a fall for Belichick. Not to say, again, like, like you said, it doesn't erase everything he ever did. But I don't know how it doesn't change how you have viewed him or how you would talk about him. He used to get credit for literally everything. <laughs> and once Brady went away, it's funny how that kind of that kind of dried up. His his last great moment, his last great moment was the wind game here where they win throwing three passes. And it was a fluky goofy game and what happened? What always happens? He got credit for it. Now this year, if he won a game 13 to 6 or whatever, he would not get the same credit for it because the mm-hmm. the the shine came off quite a bit for Belichick. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty. Well, we we all
3: talked about, and it was talked about for a long time, Jeremy. How you know he clearly they wanted to keep him in New England, and he wanted to stay there to break the record. Well, at least he got that. He tied the all
2: time losses record. He did in and his he, last game. And he's not means He's got what thirteen to go for the all time win record. It's thirteen or fifteen. He's. You know who he's tied with? Do you know the other two people he's tied with all
3: time losses? I think this has got to be only in. Let I, I me. Mean, I I have to make sure here. This could be the. This is three hundred two one sixty five regular season. I don't know what I'm looking at here. If I am looking at that,
2: that's pretty good. I think so. There's
3: three. <laughs> there's two. Three people li- listed at one sixty five losses in their career. Belichick, Dan Reeves, and Jeff Fisher.
2: Jeff is impressive there, huh? <laughs>
3: 173 and 165. Wow, I mean, yeah. but look, I mean, to get the all-time losses, you have to obviously be great enough to keep your job for that long, which is what he did. So I kid
2: a little bit, but, yeah, I mean, like, this was not the way that they all envisioned him going out for sure. No. His win percentage is 647, which is mm-hmm. third, or sorry, career win percentage. It's tougher because some guys didn't coach that long and some are a different era. But 647 for Belichick. He is behind Matt LaFleur on all-time win percentage, for what that's worth. All right, when we get back, we'll get some calls on this. We'll get to Sal's ranking. Sal's ranked the eight now coach openings in the NFL. Um, are they rankings? I'm going to ask this question, Sal. Like, Are they rankings for a nameless coach? Or do what I apply like, ooh, the best landing spots for Belichick? Although then the Patriots would be eighth, so I guess that's different. Anyway, we'll get to your rankings. We'll get to your calls. 803-0550 on WGR. No days off. No days off. No days off. No
1: days off. No days off. No days
4: off. No days off. No days off. Go Pats!
2: Go Pats! That's Bill Belichick, who has a few days off now. Until he signs somewhere else. It is time for, uh, I don't know, a couple calls. And sales rankings as well. Before we get sales rankings of the uh, eight coaching openings. Now there are eight with uh, the Seahawks and Patriots jumping into the mix. Judd in Utica is up first on Belichick. Hey, Judd, good morning.
1: My man, an awkward chant from an awkward man. How about that? <laughs> um, my, I got to give credit to my wife. I know you guys got your insiders, but we were at the game a couple weeks ago. We had good seats right behind the Patriots bench. She pointed out to me, she's like, look at him. He is not coaching any player. He is not talking to any coach. He sat on an island, stood, the whole game. And the only person who talked to him was one other coach. And I said, babe, I think that's his son. And, I mean, he worked over the refs at the beginning before kickoff. But other than that, the man talked to zero people on the sideline. Is that usually what he does? I mean, I've seen him on TV enough to know that he speaks to people, but... You know, as a sideline operator, Sal, what do you think? Is that just writing on the it's wall? An interesting
3: observation. I I don't think he's necessarily always engaged in that manner as a lot of coaches you might see. I think he kind of just he runs the ship. He you know, but there are times where he will definitely have that. I think that also, like maybe different depends on different assistants. Like when Josh McDaniels was there, I think they had a lot more interaction, maybe you uh, know, maybe than him and Bill O'Brien do. So look, I but I don't disagree with your overall sentiment, which is. It seemed like he just kind of wrote out the last, you know, while here, and he kind of knew that this was happening, this was ending, and you know, it didn't, it didn't matter. It felt like it seemed like it
2: didn't matter. Yeah, checked out. I mean, to point out, he's talking to his son, his son on the staff. I would say that the thing that happened with Belichick, I don't know, Sal. Like this, this kind of gets to a point for me on Carroll and Saban and Belichick as well. Here's Nick Saban. On his way out, there's a report that he's lamenting how NIL works and how frustrating it is. Like He's the highest paid coach in football. He wins all the time, and he's out to be a victim because it's so different now. He doesn't like it anymore. And here's Belichick. He's stepping away, and one of the main criticisms of him, I think, is that his operation is too insular. Mm-hmm. He's got his own, sure. his own son, and the only assistants he hires are guys he's hired before. Maybe he can't get anybody else to Mm -hmm. work for him. That's why Bill O'Brien is back there. That's why there's been reports that Josh McDaniels maybe was going to go back and join them again because when you're there so long, I don't know, you're kind of – Cassell, you could speak to this. The coaching ranks, you're kind of supposed to jump around a little bit. And then when you get in one spot for too long and they raid all of your assistants, it's kind of like a a football team that doesn't have any draft picks or a hockey team that doesn't have any prospects – Belichick's cupboard for assistance has been bare for a long time. Even like Vrabel, right? Vrabel's out there coaching. He's not necessarily on the tree, but he would have been in the family. Right, he's not even an assistant. He was a former player. Right, he's a, he would have been in the family. And it's one of the reasons the Patriots yeah. are talking about hiring Vrabel back, or at least there's a lot of reports about that. Is because I think the Patriots and the Patriot way – I said this in a segment maybe yesterday or two days ago uh, before running it by you – Man, if the Patriots bring bring back Vrabel, isn't that Kraft believing the Patriot way can come back and that like that? Oh no, it's just we'll just mm-hmm. start things up again with our family of Patriots again. It's very insular to me.
3: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how many how many calls have we taken over the years? Obviously, mostly during the drought, this would happen, but we still get them once in a while. Hire Jim Kelly as offensive coordinator. Hire Bruce Smith. Get the like, bring back this guy or that guy, and there were times where the Bills did that a little bit too much, right? But it's the same thing. You you love what it what you had and what it meant and all the success you had, and you want to recapture it so badly that that's the route you go down. But you know you have to move forward, and it's time for the Patriots. And but I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, I think Vrabel would represent moving forward too because I think he's a good coach. I think Vrabel's a good coach, but that's a conundrum for them because. It might actually ring, like you just said, to even fans and media. They're like, "Hey, here we go again. What are you doing? This is your chance to reset, and you're not doing that."
2: Belichick and Robert Kraft will have media availability today at noon. All right, so Woo! here's the here's the million dollar question: Will Bill mm-hmm. Belichick answer questions? This is like a uh, like un- actually answer, right? This know. is an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. Belichick hates answering questions consistently doesn't answer questions and here he is okay you're leaving bill what happened how is it how do you remember it this is gonna Where be are like, you going right it's gonna be like Musty <laughs> you want to do must see tv streaming live on patriots.com yeah. Kraft okay. and belichick to be talking about their split anyway all right let's get your your rankings now that how, how drastic have you had to adjust now that you've included new england with this ranking
3: I, I haven't because I was already including them, expecting them to be, you know, um, where they are here. So yeah, I mean, I haven't, haven't had to do anything differently. I put them on the list. Um, by the way, you're talking about noon. Let me just see to make sure. I think one o'clock is practice today for the Bills. I'm going to go back and check just to make sure. Here we go. Um, today one o'clock practice. So yeah, so that's when the Bills are on the practice field. 12 o'clock is the, uh, stream there for the Patriots. I haven't had to adjust much, but Jeremy, I am going to be honest with you. I think that you might think I'm crazy on some of my rankings here. You may tell me you are nuts. That's ridiculous. I don't know. I have my reasons, though. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Counting from the the bottom up? From the bottom up. From the bottom up. The eight available head coach job openings. I have ranked them from best to worst, I'm going to start with the worst, meaning the most attractive jobs for any candidate and why. Here we go. Number eight, the Carolina Panthers. Yep. What is appealing about this job right now? You have an owner who he seems like he might be the second version of Daniel Snyder, the way he acts sometimes, who's just fine for throwing drinks at fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have an owner that stepped in and basically overruled. It seems like taking Bryce Young over CJ Stroud, and you gave up so much draft capital for that. Now you're stuck, if you want to call it that. Maybe Bryce Young's going to be really good, but it doesn't seem like you can get out of your own way. Why would someone want to go there? I'm not really sure. Uh, They have $37 million in cap space, which isn't a ton and they don't even have a first round pick. The Panthers is the worst job opening available. All right, number 7, it is the New England Patriots. Yep. Yes, that's right. It's this low, everybody. They have nothing on offense. Nothing. They've no quarterback. They've no receivers. They're they're slow on offense. They have some decent defensive players, but nothing. I think Bill Belichick, that's his probably his greatest trait that he brings being able to coach that defense right now. They have the number 3 pick, which is nice. It's not top 2. It's not Caleb Williams or Drake May, maybe they get Marvin Harrison Jr. Great. Guess what else you got to do if you go to New England? You have to follow Bill Belichick. Who wants to do that? And you have to play against the Bills twice a year, the Dolphins twice a year, and maybe a healthy Aaron Rodgers and Jets twice a year. This is not an appealing job. There is a reset coming in New England. It is the seventh most attractive job on the market. Number no, six.
2: No, no argument there. I also want to add in Marvin Harrison Jr. going to the Patriots is – One, I don't want him in the division to play against him. But two, possibly depressing. Like, here's a star going there, and I just don't like anything about it.
3: Number six, the Tennessee Titans. Now, what is appealing about this, they have $71 million in cap space. That's really nice. They have the seventh overall pick. That's not bad. They can surround maybe Will Levis. But right now... It looks like they might have the fourth best quarterback in the division right there, no matter that, whether it's Will Levis or whoever. Look what's going on around them in that division. Um, I mean, maybe Anthony Richards. You're not going to put him there. The book is not written on him. But they have a good coach in Indianapolis. The thing that is appealing is the division hasn't been that good, but it's getting better. You have young players, and now this is a Tennessee Titans team also going through a transition. They are going to have to really make some roster adjustments. I don't know what's super appealing about that job. Mike Vrabel's done a nice job. I think Mike Vrabel squeezed a lot of wins out of that team that they shouldn't have had. So the Titans are, eh, it's May, I guess, but nothing super appealing about that except for maybe the cap space you have.
2: I would agree you the Titans are guilty of middling it for a couple of years here it's one of the reasons that Mm -hmm. Vrabel is ultimately gone he didn't want to tear things down he wanted to keep some players they traded some players and middling it gets you nowhere
3: I would have this ranking the next one a lot higher except for one reason number five for me the Seattle Seahawks all right the reason why I have them this low actually Jeremy they have one million dollars in cap space by the way that's from over the cap this is where I get these numbers from one million dollars and who's their quarterback Is it Geno Smith going forward? I'm not really sure. Like, they have some nice young pieces. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously. Charbonnet, they can run the ball a little bit. But I'm not really sure what the future holds, especially in division with the San Francisco 49ers, the Rams, Look, what you said, the young Rams they have right there. A million dollars, the 16th overall pick. I think they're kind of in a, a weird spot here. And John Schneider, he's never met a draft pick he doesn't like to trade. So they don't really have a ton of draft capital um, yet. I don't think it's a super appealing job, but it can be nice. We'll see where it goes. Number four, I'd actually have this team lower, but I think what I saw to them the last few weeks was pretty good. It's the Las Vegas Raiders, actually. Here's why. Now, the rate here, here, I'll give you the good and the bad about the Raiders. All right. The good is, you have a Raiders team that's in a nice new palace in Las Vegas. you got an owner that's going to spend money. He wants to do that. There's no doubt he's worth a lot of money. He wants to spend money. And I think Antonio Pierce showed as a coach that they have some talent on that team that you can try to squeeze some things out of. And maybe Antonio Pierce is the right guy for that to do it. They also have $50 million in cap space. It's not a ton, but it is significant. They can do some damage here, maybe in free agency. They have Devontae Adams, nice player. I don't know who the quarterback is, though. They have the 13th overall pick. It's not, you know, in, and you do have to work for Mark Davis, which obviously can be really kind of uneven at times, right? You never know where that's going to go. So, Raiders and Seahawks to me are kind of really in the same boat for different reasons. If that makes sense. Okay. Five.
2: We have the same top three, and one of those teams left in the top three is a surprise for mm. sure. Because yes, it's it's well, we're trusting that their future is going to be brighter than their last, you know, like 20 years.
3: Yes. Well, that gets me to this. Is why I think it's a surprise to have these top three. But I think most people, you ask them, you say, What is the number one job available? They're going to say the LA Chargers. Not for me. It's the third most attractive job available, the Chargers. They are, here's why. Jeremy, yes, I understand. The only reason they're number three, the only reason they're this high is because they've Justin Herbert. They're the only team on this entire list that has what we think is a very good young quarterback to build around. They have the number five pick. You can help him, no doubt. You know what else they are? $34 million over the salary cap. What, what what help are you giving Justin Herbert? How are you helping him? The defense is not that good. This is a job that's probably going to take a couple of years at least to really get back to where you need it. And Justin Herbert, actually, even though he looks really, really good, he's had some injury issues. I wonder about this job. I wonder how good it truly is. I understand you have Justin Herbert compared to all the other jobs, but I think you could do more with a lot of the other teams around on this list.
2: Don't forget they're
1: cursed.
3: <laughs> okay, that's a good reason, too. <laughs> all right. I think the, the top two are a surprise for everybody. For For me, they were when I went through this. I'm going to give the number two available job to the Atlanta Falcons. That's right, folks, the Atlanta Falcons. The only reason why... Um, they're, uh, the, I would even think that, you okay, if you say to me, Sal, you shouldn't have him this high, it's because you don't know who the quarterback is. right? Is it Desmond Ritter? Yeah. I'm not really sure. I don't think so. They need a quarterback. But they do have the eighth overall pick. There's rumors they could trade for Justin Fields, whatever. They have draft capital. You know what else they have? They have a good young defense, actually. Their numbers on defense are pretty good. And Jeremy, of course, they have great young offensive talent. They just didn't figure out. How did Arthur Smith not know how to use, use B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts? Oh my gosh, give me a coach that can go in there. Give me a Ben Johnson. Give me Ben Johnson Atlanta to go in there and use that talent. Use the 8th overall pick to trade up. Get a quarterback. And you have $34 million in cap space. Not enough, but at least you have something to work with there. I think the Atlanta Falcons is a very, very attractive job. And the number one, total surprise. I bet you, for everybody out there listening, maybe you aren't surprised. But I think the Washington Commanders is the best job available. I really do. This is a team... With seventy-seven million dollars in cap space, a new ownership group that will spend whatever it takes, by the way. They just hired the guy who built the Golden State Warriors, by the way. Uh, like the not the gym, like the president, whatever escapes yep. me. Thank you. And They're getting Drake May, most likely, to be their quarterback, who is going to be good in the NFL. They have the number 2 pick. Okay, maybe Drake May goes number 1. Then they're getting Caleb Williams. They're going to get a young quarterback. They have $77 million in cap space. They have an ownership now that is not including Daniel Snyder, which is great, and they're going to spend a lot of money. And I think that this team is very attractive for anybody who wants to go there and start over again.
2: The only thing I'll, I don't disagree with really mu- much of what you said. I would say the Chargers job I don't think it has to be a long turnaround at all. You get the yep. right offensive mind with that quarterback and you'll be fine. Uh, you know, the rest of it will piece Probably, to- right. will piece together. See, if I'm thinking about this, the hot candidate on the market is is Ben Johnson. If you're Ben Johnson, what mm-hmm. job what what job do you want? The Chargers who have Probably ha- Chargers. who have the quarterback the Falcons are maybe the most interesting job to me because, Sal. They, like you said, they pick eighth. I think the Falcons should be the team targeting Justin Fields. Like if you're, all right, if you're not going to get that yes. quarterback in the draft, yes. the Bears. That's right. The Bears should definitely trade Fields. Oh, by the way, another thing on this, <laughs> it's like it, there's so many moving parts. The Bears are keeping Matt Eberflus, which to me is middling it, and I don't understand it at all, really. They're going to try and hire an offensive coordinator, and they're going to keep Matt Eberflus and probably draft a quarterback first and trade Justin Fields. So here's Matt Eberflus now, who's not had a good run with the Bears. He gets to keep his job and stay and hire a guy to grow a quarterback who will then eventually get a job somewhere else. Like If I'm the Bears, I would have absolutely fired Matt Eberflus, thrown as much money as possible at Ben Johnson, told him to tell me which quarterback he wants, and gone from there. But... That's not looking like what it'll be. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator in Houston. He's done great things with CJ Stroud. Yes. Can he go to LA as well? Like LA, they have to hire an offensive young mind that can work with a great quarterback and be like, oh, sorry, Justin Herbert, we've had to deal with. Here here's here's a better operation for you. Maybe they keep Callan Moore. Maybe. Um we'll see. Who who's the Seahawks new coach? Dan Quinn is the favorite right now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I've got the list I mean, of uh, What does the, that do for you? Right. I got the list of candidates for the Patriots from um, there's a, a ranking here Ooh, of like the, baby, yeah, from Chad Graff of the Athletic. Here are the candidates, Jer- the front runners: Gerard Mayo, Mike Vrabel. There's the two possible candidates: Bill O'Brien, Brian Flores. Like these are all in the family still. Less likely: Josh <laughs> McDaniels, Patrick Graham. He's a Raiders defensive coach right now, who was with the Patriots for six years in the mid 2000s. Shane Waldron also spent time with the Patriots. Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick are so far down on this list with Jim Harbaugh. Like, okay, go ahead and hire Vrabel, I guess. Is Jim Harbaugh
3: coaching in the NFL next year? Probably, right? I think he probably is. And if you're the Raiders or the Chargers or the Commanders, you go after Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I think that that those are the teams to me. And. I'm going to steal this idea from Colin Coward, actually. I actually heard him on this, and I think it's a really great point he made. If if the Commanders wanted Harbaugh and they want to go after him, Harbaugh, that makes sense. His brother coaches in Baltimore an hour away. He wouldn't have to face him. He's very much, like, the family is very close. You saw the videos of him hugging his mom and dad after the national championship. Like, that would be a great situation to have mom and dad, two brothers coaching, living right in the same area, Family-oriented, and, you know, that's an organization that's going to give him the keys and give him the money to do what he wants. I think that's a real—and you know Harbaugh. He'd be like, yep, I don't need an established quarterback. I'll
2: draft one, and he'll be mine, and I'll mold him. Sal Capaccio with me, Jeremy White. One quick follow-up, Sal, in NFL news. You pointed out the NFL has announced their international games. The Bears, Vikings, Jaguars, and Panthers— have been announced to be hosting international games, and you said the Bills do not play any of them. And that's, that means they're not going to play an international the road. game. That's right, on the road. There is one other game still to be announced, mm-hmm. Brazil. Correct. That's all. So if whoever gets announced to Brazil, then we'll know whether or not the Bills are going international. The Chiefs went to Germany. It would not surprise me at all if the Bills are on the road to Brazil just because, you know, they're a big draw and they just hit
1: the Chiefs. I I still wonder,
2: though, the the, the, the NFC next year, other than the Jags
3: and their contract, I believe the NFC are the home games. So, you know, it would have to be obviously one of those games. You're right. That's why I I tweeted this out and I said, we know the Bills aren't going to Europe next year. But you're right. They could still go to Brazil if the NFL follows through with that plan and and puts that on their schedule.
2: Their NFC away candidates are Rams, Seahawks, Lions. So, okay. cool, whatever that's worth. All right, we're going to break in. We've got Andrew Filippone, top of the hour on Bills Steelers. He talks Steelers, Talk to him about Tomlin and Mason Rudolph and this Steelers team that sneaks into the playoffs in this matchup with the Bills. That's coming up top of the hour here on WGR. It is uh, goodbye Bill Belichick day. We
3: had a tweeter point out, uh, Adam, thank you, Adam. He says, did Josh Allen and the Bills kill the Patriots' uh, destiny? I think he meant dynasty. I don't know about that, but he did point out Bill Belichick's last playoff game was the perfect game here in Buffalo. And I want to piggyback on that. Thank you, Adam. And I want to say, Jeremy, Don Shula's last game was also a playoff loss in Buffalo.
1: Hmm.
3: I don't remember that one. You Mm -hmm. do. 1995. Which game is that, as people like reference it? It's the what game. Okay, that is the Tim Tyndale game.
2: Okay, good. <laughs> Perfect.
3: Tim Tyndale was a running back for the Bills, came out of kind of nowhere for a brief moment, brief hot moment, and in that game, Tim Tyndale had a 44-yard run for a touchdown. Uh, he had, I'm looking up the back stop- Four carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Thurman, 25 for 158. And Derek Holmes, you can call it the Derek Holmes game if you want, 15 for 87 in a touchdown. Hmm. But that would be the Tim Tyndale
2: game I think people would remember. Adam Schefter tweets, moments ago. go, Sal. You ready for this? Yep. Falcons owner Arthur Blank has taken some big swings at other high-profile head coaches mm-hmm. in the past. Blank once pursued, but didn't land, Joe Gibbs. He once pursued, but didn't land, Bill Parcells. Now the Falcons have a head coach opening, and Bill Belichick is a free agent. That's all he said. And I would just like to say... Well... What?
3: Go ahead. All I Diana say- Rossini actually reported uh, or said a couple of days ago, I believe, if Belichick is available, a Fal- the Falcons are a team to watch. I believe something
2: like that she wrote. If the Falcons don't get an offensive coach, they should fold as a franchise. That's it. Period. I know <laughs> they just had one with Arthur Smith, but he doesn't count. If they don't get an offensive coach, just pack up operations. They pecked a... a Russini cle-
3: has just tweeted, actually, about this. And I, I just said, she she tweeted this a while ago. She just did again this morning. She wrote, the Falcons have been interested in landing Belichick for weeks, per sources. He isn't the only candidate, though. Great.
2: Who knew? My B. John Robinson dynasty picks were doomed from the start. Get an offensive coach, Falcons. Wake up! All right. Andrew Filippone will preview Bill's Steelers with Andrew, who talks Pittsburgh in uh, just a moment. So... Stay tuned for that. Jeremy and Sal in for Joe. Jeremy and Joe but Sal's in. Uh, Joe's out sick today. You can give us a call, 803-0550 on Belichick, on Bill Steelers here on WGR.